0: Shravya, how long has it been since our last episode? I think it's been about nine days. You know, we might not have recorded any of those days, but we still accomplished quite a bit. How? Well, we successfully traveled from Australia to Singapore, Marseille, Cordoba, Doha, and Rotterdam in just over a week. Guinness Book of World Records should be calling us up anytime now.
1: Everyone and welcome to hold on to your racket the podcast for gen z tennis fans we're your hosts shravya
0: and josephina
1: josephina and i are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all
0: shravya and i are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on the court and off the court companionship
1: and we're the young female voices in modern day tennis you've been looking for so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more
0: so, we're back. It's been a while, but we won't talk about that. And today is <laughs> March 2nd, okay? Can we talk about the fact that it's already March? Like
1: It's so weird. We're approaching, like, the one-year anniversary, at least for us, of, like, going into, you know, quarantine mode and stuff. So, like, all that, like, nostalgia is kind of t- kicking in. Like, I've been seeing, like, TikToks and stuff all about, like, the quarantine nostalgia, and I'm definitely feeling that.
0: Yeah, I can tell you I certainly won't be wearing the party hats for this anniversary.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely not.
0: So going back to our episode for today, it's going to be a kind of Doha and Rotterdam check-in episode because those are the biggest tournaments going on right now, so we think it's valid to get you guys caught up on that.
1: Yeah, our last episode was our Australian Open Finals preview, so definitely a while ago, I think... You probably all know who won the Australian Open, so there's not much need for us to recap that. But there has been a lot of exciting tennis that happened last week, so we do want to update you all on those hot headlines. So we're going to do a little bit of a Champions recap because there was a lot of tournaments going on last week. So... Starting off with Adelaide, which was a WTA 250 event in Australia, our champion was Iga Suyantek. And once again, she didn't drop a set during the entire tournament and ended up taking the title, obviously doing that at Roland Garros as well. So she defeated Belinda Bencic in the final 6-2, 6-2, who we're going to talk about just a bit because she's not really someone who we thought would make the final. Um, and now Iga is at a career high ranking of number 18, so pretty awesome stuff from her.
0: And if you've been following her on social media, you know that she's been working on quite a few Lego sets these past few weeks. She said it actually helps her tennis, which is interesting. And her sports psychologist, she was talking about, Daria, had this idea to do some models and Legos. And I think it works perfectly for my mind because I'm this kind of person who just likes to think logically and construct because when you actually do math you're like doing everything by the rules and formulas my brain works like that and i like to have other things to do except tennis so it is perfect for me so this is really one of those great examples of doing things outside of tennis like what's it called i think it's called cross training when you kind of take skills from other activities and then incorporate it into your game to make it the best possible so that's really cool
1: and I think it's funny cuz a lot of times you th- you hear about like players, you know, dabbling in different sports, helping them with tennis like yeah, exactly. you know, like people say a lot about like Rafael Nadal or even like a lot of the tennis players are pretty soccer. good at soccer. Yeah. And like th- that's like a that helps them um, Ash Barty obviously was a professional cricket player for some time. A lot of the players play golf. I know Nadal, Barty, <laughs> uh Dimon
0: has a golf account on Instagram. <laughs>
1: so yeah i mean they but i mean Ega's doing something super unique with like these puzzles and legos and stuff and i think that's really cool because it she's someone who's talked a lot about like the mental side of the game not only like having a sports psychologist but like even in this aspect like you know when she talked about like quote unquote the rules and formulas so i think that that's pretty awesome and clearly it's helping her um, so other highlights from the tournament include, as we know, our finalist, Belinda Bencic. So she hadn't made a semifinal since the 2019 WTA finals. Um, Bencic had an amazing season in 2019, but hadn't really found her groove in 2020. Um, but you know, that was good for her to make the final. She did lose in, in the first round of Doha though. We're going to talk about that later. Um, but pretty good run for Benches too, as well as for Coco Golf. So she actually, not only did she win her two qualifying rounds matches, but she played four back-to-back three-setters, starting from her second round of qualifying through to the semis where she fell to Bencic. But she had some great comeback wins, um, some great hard-fought wins uh, during her Adelaide run, so reaching the semifinals was a pretty big deal because not only did she reach her career-high ranking of number 38, But she became the youngest player to reach the semifinals of a WTA 500-level event since 2006. So, pretty big stuff from the American.
0: Next up, we have an ATP tournament. Marseille. Marseille. That's in France. That's why I can't pronounce it. (laughs) Josephina,
1: don't you take French?
0: You know what? Um, Pronunciation wasn't ever my strength. But as long as I understand what's going on, it's fine. So, David Goffin came out the winner, and he is back. He won his fifth title in Marseille, and this is his first title in over three years, since 2017. So, it's been a while. And we discussed in one of our episodes of 2020, so one of our this year episodes, that Goffin has had
1: a pretty... Well, one of our 2021 episodes.
0: Yeah, exactly. You no. said it best.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, I, I it was a little confusing. I wrote this in our notes, but we said that he won his fifth title in Marseille, meaning that his fifth career title he won just now in Marseille. Not that he's won five Marseille titles.
0: That would be something, but definitely not
1: impossible since he is kind of making a comeback now. Yeah, you know, I actually read a really interesting stat that only three non-Frenchmen have won this tournament. And those three non-freshmen are Gofan Alexander Zverev, and Thomas Burdick. So, uh, Gofan is, is now the third.
0: Certainly puts him on the records for something. I mean, we were just talking about the Guinness Book of World Records.
1: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so... Yeah,
0: Goffin's 2020 was not very good. I'm pretty sure he had seven straight losses at some, at one point. So it's really nice to see him doing well. Again, he defeated Roberto Bautista Goot 5 7 6, four, six two in the final. And some highlights from the tournament. We have another comeback player. I mean, Joe Wilfred Sanga's first match since the 2020 Australian Open. He was out because of a back injury for that entire year. And... I mean, he came back and he did lose in the first round to Sebastian Corda, but still it's great to see him back and we'll probably see him in more tournaments as we move into the year.
1: Yeah, that was nice to see him back on court and Corda had good words to say for um Sanga after his match too. Now, speaking of uh I guess speaking of well, we're not really talking about Corda, but speaking of youngsters, I guess. We're going go to go into Singapore, which was an I think this was like the tournament that like the least amount of people were talking about. Um, but this was a, uh, I believe a 250 level event in ATP, and Alexei Popperin, who we were talking about just a few episodes ago, um, won the title. He's from Australia, if you don't know him, 21 years old, and he defeated another player who, like, Tennis Twitter is going crazy over at the moment, Alexander Bublik. Um, he defeated him 4-6-6-love-6-2. And he's gonna reach a career high of number eighty two in the world. That's Paparin. And funny thing is, we talked. We, this is exactly what, what we talked about him in our last in our what, a couple episodes ago. Paparin played Goffin and beat him at the Australian Open a few weeks ago. That was a pretty good win for him. And now both of them won titles last week. And we also talked about how I got to ball person both their matches at the U.S. Open. So obviously, this whole phenomenon and this connection can only be explained by the fact that I've touched both of their towels. I really don't think that there's any other way to explain this.
0: Yeah, in case, in case you haven't noticed, a bit of Shravya's inferiority complex is shining through here. Sorry about that. Yeah. No, but seriously, we take credit for as much as we can. I mean, we talked about him saying that he was, like, up and coming, and we were right. Spash and that's an amazing example. Then the, you predicted the winner of the Australian Open, and no, I predicted, I yeah, the
1: men's, you predicted
0: in favor? No, I
1: said, I said, yeah, but he didn't win.
0: Oh, yeah, I forgot.
1: But he made I mean, it to the finals, to the final. which is basically yeah. the same
0: thing if you're playing against Djokovic.
1: I mentioned so. something about Swiatek at the French Open, but, like, that I, I that wasn't, like, you know, obviously no one saw her winning the whole thing that early on. <laughs> um, but I will say, though, that in terms of Alexander Bublik, this is his second final already in 2021. He reached the Antalya final where he had to retire to Demonor and he reached the Singapore final, so... Um, this he's is looking pretty well. good for him. Yeah, yeah, and, like, people, like, give him, like, so much trash for not, you know, for, like, doing all the underhand serves and stuff.
0: But those are hilarious. Like, that's yeah. why he's known for it, and I kind of, I'm here for it. Yeah. So, next up, we have Cordoba, the Cordoba Open. And our winner was, he was kind of, it's a new guy, you know, haven't really heard of him yet until now. Juan Manuel Cerundolo also known as Juanma, and, I mean, he is definitely a new candidate for the GOAT debate because he has a 100, like, after this tournament, he had a 100% winning percentage up until today on the ATP Tour, so that's better than all of the other players on the Tour ever before that, before today, so, I mean, that's quite the record. And the 19-year-old Argentinian won in his home country in his first ever ATP event. That's how he had the 100% winning average because he went in not having played an ATP match and then came out winning all of them in order to take the title. And he came through qualifying rounds, so yeah,
1: even I'm more. Kinda, I'm kind of sick of all these uh Nole fan people on Twitter being like, Novak is the greatest, like, no. Like you got a guy right here. It's it's Juanma. I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. That's just my take on it.
0: And he defeated Ramos Vignola's six zero two six six two in the final to take that title. So, I mean,
1: everyone's like everyone was going crazy over this kid after he won. Understandably so. There's like like I mean he's new. There's nothing to dislike about him. He was really sweet. He said after his match, I honestly can't believe it. It's been an unforgettable experience. I will never forget this moment. I'm super happy and even more because it's in Argentina, in my home with all my friends and family cheering me on. He also said that he, quote, never felt anxious uh, because he was taking it match by match. So that's a pretty good attitude to have at 19 years old. And, like, Josefina and I should, like, start compiling a list of, like, teenage players on the ATP and WTA side who we you know, really like, and then maybe in, like, five years, see how our opinions of them stand, because, like, you know, in a few years, these people will be making up the ranks, so we'll see how people like Juanma, Yannick, Lorenzo Musetti, Musetti, yeah, uh, on the ATP side, how they're gonna do.
0: We can create, like, a time capsule, and then just open it in, like, four years, and be like, oh, these people?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, actually, like, knowing me, like, I'm not a very patient person. As Josephina knows, so not exactly sure how that would go.
0: Yeah, well, going back to Juanma, yeah, that's his name. I have to get used to that because I keep trying to say Juan. Manuel. Juan Martín
1: Del Potro.
0: Ooh, the new uh, Delpo. That yeah. That's
1: fair. Okay, yeah. I mean that's fair, but like also we. I I hope like th- this kid. This kid has just started playing on the ATP level. He's, yeah. He, he he we can't ask too much of him
0: i was looking at his instagram um i think the day that he won and then i went back to check like a few hours later and he went up i swear like 10,000 followers i was like <laughs> oh my god
1: wait no like i like honestly did not know about him before Me either. i don't know if i don't know if other people did like i'm ve- like i'm sure other people did but like i wonder if like the hype started just now or like if people knew about him before because if people knew about him before then that's pretty cool too
0: So, he jumped from number 335 to 181. So, this is a significant rankings jump. And this will allow him to get into the main draws of Challenger events and qualities of ATP events. So, definitely would help him in the future as he gets more used to the tour.
1: Yeah, and now, while we still have all this happy news with all these champions, we have some bittersweet news. Um, a little bit more bitter than sweet, at least for, (laughs) at least for us. Um, as you know, Roger Federer is making his comeback on Monday, March 8th, in Doha. So, I personally am equal parts excited and equal parts incredibly stressed out about that. Because I know that once he starts playing, I'm going to be a lot more stressed while keeping track of ATP tennis. Um, but while he is making his comeback there, he has withdrawn from Miami and, To kind of add to this little Federer news trifecta, today, or sorry, yesterday, because yesterday was Monday, Djokovic tied Federer for most weeks at world number one at 310, which is pretty pretty awesome um so federer's agent said that federer is going to play doha then maybe dubai and then he's going to go back to training to quote unquote continue to slowly work his way back out on the tour which makes sense i mean this guy's turning 40 in august he has to budget oh his oh <laughs> <has to> <laughs> that reaction was priceless I I could like sense like internally like oh god he's 40 but he needs to get like 10 more grand slams yeah Um, (laughs) how are we gonna
0: do this better (laughs)
1: um he hasn't played a match since the Australian Open 2020 semis where he lost to Djokovic the eventual champion so it's been a while um coming back from surgery for his knees obviously um so I mean it makes sense that like he might want to tone it down a bit obviously Miami's a big tournament um uh, but you know, alas. However, Djokovic will break the record of most weeks at world number one on March eighth, um, which is again also the day that Roger is returning to the tour at the ATP Doha event. So that's kind of how the world number one race and Federer's return is playing out. In some slightly better news, though, Uniqlo released a photo of Federer's Doha outfit, and in my opinion, it's gorgeous. Josephine you want to offer your opinions on it? I, I actually haven't heard of your opinions on it.
0: Well. I think I think it's super crisp. That's like That's, the only I like word that I can come up with. Well, like I,
1: let's try let's try to describe it for our listeners.
0: Yes. Um, this gives me flashbacks from our very first episode where I tried describing an Instagram picture. To <laughs> I listeners. Just- <laughs> yeah, th- we still get trauma from from the first few episodes, but it's okay, it's okay. Anyways, so If you were
1: to put an emerald onto a tennis outfit, this is yes, what you would get.
0: exactly. It's like a dark, not aquamarine. It's a greener aqua. It's sage. It's just be- it's just sage.
1: No, it's not. Like, it's bluer. emerald green. You know what? Just search up a picture on your own. It's worth the <laughs> search. Um, but, I mean, we're looking forward to March 8th. But, again, I personally, at least, am also a little bit scared for March 8th. I mean, um, he is...
0: Roger. Like we have to have a little faith in him. And also if he does lose in the first round, come on. The guy's been gone for a while. We'll give him a break.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, well we have a Josephine and I are, um a lot of our tennis coaches are Federer fans, so we're gonna have to you know, if we stress out about it, at least we'll have them to stress out about his matches with us. So after
0: that eventful hot headlines taking away that, not taking away, providing that kind of rundown of what's been going on last week, we're going to talk about what's going on this week, starting off with the WTA side where we have a 500 level event going on in Doha, Qatar, the Qatar Total Open. So some little facts about that is, are that the defending champion is Arena Sabalenka, and the top four seeds in this draw are Svitolina, Karolina Pliskova, Sabalenka, and Kvitova. And there are six Grand Slam champions in this main draw, so definitely stacked.
1: Yeah, and this is a 500 level event, so um, definitely a bunch of great players in there. Um, and one thing I feel like if we want to, you know, take note of the state of the wta right now pretty much in any 250 level or 500 level event with like a decent draw you're gonna have multiple grand slam champions in it so the six grand slam champions stat that you said there was just
0: um we chose to highlight it because we it just makes it look more interesting why not
1: yeah definitely something different from both the atp and the w from between the two tours but goes to show you how many great players there are anyways um to dive into some notable results so far my this is my favorite result of the of the past couple days so far which is madison keys winning her first round match so she defeated adelaide finalist belinda bench at 6-4-6-1 and this is madison's first match since the 2020 french open and if you remember she had covid and couldn't fly to australia to play the australian open um And, you know, obviously this isn't an easy first-round match, given that Belinda Benjic had just made that run in Adelaide. Um, But Keys played pretty amazingly. She hit 24 winners to 17 on forced errors. So that is a uh, net of plus 7 on her winner count. And she won 83% of her first serve points. And the next player she's facing is Maria Sakari. So that's also going to be a very exciting match.
0: So, next we have Garbina Muguruza fighting off a tough second set to defeat Kujir Matova 6-2-7-6. She said after the match, she as in Muguruza, I had many chances to close the match and I'm happy I did eventually, if only I did the same against Naomi Osaka, no? (laughs) So, really love that she can take it lightly, we love that positive attitude, taking the best away that you can from matches, even if you lose them. And her coach, Conchita Martinez, was not able to join her in Doha because she is in quarantine after testing positive for COVID. And, I mean, Muguruza is facing Arena Sabalenka next, so that's another showstopper adding on to the Sakari Keys one.
1: Yeah. Um so our next result is Annette Contivate defeating Jennifer Brady the Australian Open uh semi uh, finalist. Sorry, US Open semi finalist, Australian Open finalist 6-1 6-2 in 53 minutes. So it's a bit shocking. Uh Contevate is a very strong player. Um and I, I from what I heard Brady wasn't too, you know, shaken up after this loss. Um you know, it's just one loss and uh, definitely, you know, doesn't like that doesn't take away from her run or the amazing tennis that she's been producing over the past few months so i'm sure she'll bounce back pretty readily honestly like after she won the tournament in kentucky she lost in the first or second round of the western and southern open to jessica Pegula. and then after reaching the semifinals at the u.s open she lost again in like the first round or second round of the french open to clara towson so um it, it Like, Brady seems to bounce back from these losses just fine. Um, but for Contovate, a great match there. Um, and she's going to face Angelique Kerber next. Um, so that's going to also be interesting, since they have pretty contrasting styles of play. And then our other uh, notable result is that Kiki Burton's loss to Yelena Ostapenko 6-2. love six two. And this is also Burton's first match in five months. You probably remember the, her Achilles injury at the French Open when she had to be wheelchaired off the court Um, following her match against Sarah Arani. Uh, There was a lot of drama surrounding that match. Um, But, yeah, unfortunately, uh, she lost in her first round, but it's good to see that she's back playing because that injury did look pretty bad.
0: And we have Jessica Pagula, the Australian Open semifinalist who won both of her qualifying matches and her round one match. And she's facing Helena Ostapenko in the second round. So definitely good stuff from her and she's keeping up the wins from the Australian Open.
1: So since this is not really like a preview episode and since we're not really kind of nearing the final rounds yet, we were going to do a little thing called pick a quarter. So we're going to pick a quarter of the draw. Um, in each tournament, uh, Doha and Rotterdam, that we think is not only the most compelling, but the one where we think that's the most competitive and where we think the winner is going to come out from. So um, I personally have picked Sabalenka's quarter, and this quarter has the two matches there uh, are Sabalenka versus Moguruta and Maria Sakari versus Madison Keys. So um, these are four players who have, you know, I mean... What, what can I say there are four very strong players um three of them have made it to a grand slam uh like deep in a grand slam well even well all four of them have made it deep in grand slams and had so much success um in the past few years so I think that this is going to be a really exciting section of the draw and we could definitely see our winner coming out of here especially since our defending champion is in this quarter too
0: Yeah, I completely agree because, I mean, looking at this quarter versus the other ones, it definitely stands out with all these big names of super successful women on tour. So, yeah, it's definitely Sabalenka's quarter. So, next up, we have the Rotterdam ATP 500 level event in Rotterdam in the Netherlands. And like we mentioned before, so many players pulled out of this. And it was such an exciting lineup at the start. I mean, we had Shavvalov, we had Sinner, Berrettini, that's Shravya's favorite. In case you didn't know by this point.
1: (laughs) In case you didn't know.
0: We've made that quite clear. We had Casper Rude, Monfils, all these amazing players and then, boom, they're all gone. And all for completely different reasons, basically. Yeah. So, that was super random. I think
1: Mumfeast is the defending champion, too. So... And also, Mumfis has been, uh, obviously, having a pretty rocky past few months. So, it, that's also sad that he wasn't able to be there. But, um... I mean, there are a few of our favorites still there. There's uh, Demonor. There's Sitsipas, There's Andy Murray. There's uh, Andre Rublev. Um... Well, Rinka unfortunately lost, but um, there's still a few guys we were fans of in the draw, but um, definitely not the quote-unquote water slam that everyone was hoping for <laughs> going into this. I actually, today I was um, in the middle of, because I'm remote t- this week, so in the middle of my school day, I was eating lunch at home, and my mom comes up to me, because Tennis Channel was on the TV and we were watching tennis, my mom comes up to me and she's like, so Barrett not playing this tournament? and neither is Shapovalov, and I was like, gee, thanks for reminding me. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me of that, you know, that, that <laughs> sadness. But, okay, but, yeah, I mean, they'll be back next week, so that's some good news. But um, still a stacked field, and there's actually a really interesting thing about this tournament. There's, pretty, there's a chance for history to be made here. So, since Rafael Nadal pulled out of this event, if Daniil Medvedev reaches the final, he will get to number two in the world. And this is the first time that someone outside of the big four has been at the number two spot since Leighton Hewitt in July of 2005. That is nearly 16 years ago. That is pretty much the same or probably older than Josefina's age. So to put that into perspective, (laughs) um, Josefina's entire lifetime covers the amount of time that that number two spot (laughs) has been held by some member of the big four or the number one spot by some member of the oh sorry number two spot that has been held by some member of the big four so that wait in- big
0: four Murray big four yeah or yeah, 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 Murray- yeah. Go- oh yeah obviously Duh. jeez I should know these things <laughs> I run a tennis podcast with the uh, you I guess you have a <laughs>
1: you have a soft spot for Bob Rinka. it's okay we know we know you wanted him to win the Australian open.
0: Mm, I thought he really could, but uh, (laughs) it's okay. We won't talk about that. Speaking of the big four, some notable matches so far include Andy Murray defeating Robin Haas. So this was a battle of the wild cards. Murray fought from a set down to win 2-6-7-6-6-3. This was quite the match.
1: Yeah, I was like, there was a lot of Andy Murray fans on Twitter who were like, this is the kind of Murray grind matches that we love watching. So that was nice to hear. Um, I was, I remember, I had a, a tennis class on Monday and I went in to the tennis class, I think, either right as the, I think right as the match was start, or starting or as like Murray was like losing the, or he or he had lost the first set and I was like, well, fantastic. I come out just in time to see um to see oh wait no I don't okay scratch that I don't know when what were the match was that when I went in but when I came out of the lesson I saw the score and it was literally break point in the third set for Andy and he broke right then and there and I was like perfect now I can now I can go home in a relaxed mode knowing that he's up a break in the third set
0: So Murray said, every time I lose a match, everyone thinks or I'm getting told to retire, that I should stop playing, that I'm finished and I've got nothing left and whatever. And it's sad. It's not easy. It also adds a bit of extra stress. There's a bit of extra doubt there. And on top of that, I'm playing with a metal hip, which is hard. Trust me, it's not easy. So definitely, I think it's unfair. Like we saw the Mats Willander thing a couple of months ago saying that he was a waste of wild cards no mister no also he like is-
1: during when that comment surfaced or like was said i remember josephina got into like an argument and Andy Murray's, <laughs> was so scary in annie mary's comment section with some like weird guy who was like andy should stop playing and josephina was like excuse me who are you to say that uh heck no yeah so that was a. that was a good moment for you don't
0: worry hold on to your racket podcast is here for you murray andy um anyways another quote from him was why should i stop because i lost a match last week against someone that people would accept expect me to win against tell me a good reason for why i should stop playing i can still compete with the best players in the world with one hip so i think that's quite amusing really i love
1: his sarcasm or like his like little like clapbacks no, here's the funniest thing, that
0: all this <laughs>
1: is with the Scottish accent. <laughs> Josephina. <laughs> okay, I'll let you watch that clip on your own time if you find it so, as he would say, quite amusing, really. Um, anyway, some more notable results are Kanish Shakori defeating Felix Oje Alias six, 7 6, six one unfortunately felix had an injury in the second set um he played through but still a very good match from Kay because he had lost his previous four singles matches and he faces alex Damonor next which is very exciting um someone who we're also big fans of so that'll be an interesting one there was also a few marathon matches um in Rotterdam, Martin Fukshevich defeated Riley Opelka 7-6, 6-7, 7-6 in 2 hours and 54 minutes. And I mean, Martin seems to really like those marathon matches because we can all remember that match versus Wawrinka at the Australian Open and he had some other really long ones uh, at that tournament too. But definitely a, not a guy you want to be facing, um, especially, you know, in these first rounds of these tournaments because he actually came through qualifying and he's a pretty tough player to deal with. Um, And then our second marathon match at Rotterdam was Jeremy Chardy defeating fellow Frenchman Hugo Umbert four six seven six seven six 4-6-7-6-7-6 in two hours and 48 minutes. Um, Unfortunately, in this match, uh, Hugo Umbert, who we're also, you know, fans of, we're fans of a lot of players, but I think we've talked about our fandom for Hugo before, Uh, Umbert served for the match in the second and the third set and had two match points, um, but unfortunately still lost. And... You know, we were Josephine and I were just talking about this before we started recording. He is getting a lot of hate on his Instagram for this, which is like ridiculous. Like people are saying like, "Oh, you suck," like blah blah blah, a lot, a lot of hate comments, and he had to he deleted all of his posts except one.
0: And people were still attacking him on that post, so he was forced to turn off his comments.
1: Yeah, for so... that
0: post. Like that's in this horrible
1: yeah it's awful we've seen like some players have to deal with this before too and this is just really ridiculous i mean this guy is really young um you know it, it's a tough loss everyone has losses like that um you know really
0: it just doesn't make sense to yeah. me why all these people would go in at once
1: so if you can if it's letting you definitely go and comment some positive words on that one post that he has up or maybe dm him something if he
0: you know or like the positive comments yeah
1: that too um, just do what you can because it's really tough especially when it's so isolated and you don't have fans like at tournaments i can only imagine that also makes it tougher right cuz you can't you don't have that support there anyways yeah
0: so hopefully his team is behind him and he has some people close to him supporting him right now so um, uh, other matches we have Karen Kachanov defeating Stanilas Warinka in straight sets and also top seeds Rublev Tsitsipas and Tsitsipas are through to the second round, so still some big names left in the game.
1: And we're going to do a little pick-a-quarter thing again. The quarter that I've picked is the top quarter, which is Medvedev's quarter. Um, The winner of Medvedev versus Lajovic, which is the first round, is going to face Borna Chorich in the second round. So it's likely going to be a Medvedev versus Choric match, which is going to be pretty interesting because Borna Choric knows uh, how to bring it versus the good players. And the second match in that section is Alex Devonor versus Kanishikori. Nishikori. Um, So I, I still have faith that, like, if like i think medvedev is going to be the one who pulls out of this quarter um. but i think it is like definitely if we see a medvedev chorich Damonor and nishikori lineup it's a pretty competitive one and, and definitely gonna have some good matches there hopefully
0: and for my quarter i have sissipas's quarter which includes the kachana versus nori match and her versus sissipas so it would be the winner of either of those playing each other and I think it's pretty stacked because I'm pretty sure Cameron Norrie is the number one British player in the world right now. Maybe Dan Evans is. Either way, there is still an incredible player. And then we have Kachanov. Obviously, we've heard of him a lot recently. He's the Russian guy. That's all I can think of right now because there's also been
1: different room left.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then also Herkaz who had he won a tournament. Recently, last year, yeah. actually.
1: Well, this year. Delray Beach. You keep saying last year is this year. And that 20... 20- really? Yeah.
0: Oh, my bad. You're it's still okay. on the
1: You're still in the 2020 uh, time frame. It's okay. We won't...
0: Yeah, it's okay. And Sisyphus, who... I don't... We don't have to explain that. Yeah. I have no us. Yeah.
1: Um, so definitely some... I mean, I'm really excited about both of these tournaments. Personally, I was looking forward to a Rotter Slam... Uh, we kind of, you know, with all the withdrawals, it, it's not as much of a s- Rotterdam slam anymore. It's more just plain old Rotterdam, but, um, <laughs> Wait, wait, I
0: have a, I have a joke.
1: Uh-huh, okay.
0: So, the withdrawals from Rotterdam are giving us good tennis withdrawals? No. Oh, I tried. I tried. I tried too hard you, with the punch. You puns. tried and
1: you failed, but that's okay.
0: Crashed and burned.
1: Yeah. Um... Rotterdam still has some good matches. I personally, in full disclosure, full honesty, am a bit more excited about Doha just because more of, like, at least, like, my favorite players are there. Um, But I think that, you know, this week we have some great tennis lined up and next week, too. So very exciting stuff here. Um, As always, we're going to do a couple tiebreakers. On the WTA side, the tie... Oh, if you don't know, tiebreakers are where we pick, like, a match or a couple matches... From the tournament coming up that we think are the most exciting got to be the most close um and kind of talk about them a little bit preview them a bit and then predict who we think is going to win and in how many sets so for my doha tiebreaker i have picked garbini Magarutha versus arena savalenka um for me there's always a lot of question marks surrounding Magarutha because she can really bring it but then sometimes she doesn't um and I think there's a lot of, there's there's always a bit of uncertainty surrounding her, but I think that she looked pretty good in her match against Kudermitoba. She honestly, what, she has been playing well all of this year, recently. I mean, she didn't, like, the, that match versus Naomi was, like, a very high-quality one, and, like, she, pro- like, she probably should have closed it out, but, um, nevertheless, she played pretty well in the tournaments leading up to it, too. Um, but, I mean, I, like, Arena Sabalenka is just, like, the, one of the top three best-playing players on the WTA right now. So I'm going to give it to Sablanka, but I think it's going to go the distance in three sets.
0: And my tiebreaker is Helena Ostapenko versus Jessica Pagula. I just thought this was kind of an interesting match because they're both players... I mean, Ostapenko actually won, but they're both players who people didn't expect to go so far in tournaments, but they both did. They both have that incredible potential to... Really bring up their level in order to beat other high level players, even higher level players, so they can probably bring it against each other. So, but I'm saying Pagula in two sets because I mean, she just had that incredible semi final run in Australia, so definitely some momentum there
1: for my Rotterdam tiebreaker. I've picked Alex Damon versus Kana Um, I think that. If you haven't checked this out yet, Alex Damonor, he played John Milman in the first round of Rotterdam. They had an insane, like forty-four shot rally, and Demon hit the most beautiful, like forehand winner that I have like ever seen to end that point. It wasn't even like, like the confidence after a forty four shot rally, the confidence to hit yeah. that. Type of shot. I will say. Wow. I will say you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna be mad at me for saying this. There are a few shots in tennis that live in my head like rent free. Like I'll think about them sometimes and I remember those points very vividly. This one has added been added to the list. But the one that was there before was at this year's U.S. Open. It was on Court Seventeen. Matteo Berrettini was playing Hugo oh. Umbert, and he Ber- Berrettini literally hit the same shot like an around the net post pretty much forehand down the line, winner. So, I don't know. My fates just like to, just like to sure make their job. Pretty sure Diminar
0: did it better, but, like, it's okay. It's okay. No, no, we yeah, okay. No,
1: my point is that, like, um, it, there's, there's like, a pattern there, and I appreciate <laughs> the pattern. There's some consistency. Oh, did I not say? Oh, oh, I didn't say who I thought. Oh, yeah, I think Demon's going to win. I think he's going to take it in straight sets. Um, he's been playing great. Nishikori, it's still, like... He played well versus FAA, but then again, FAA was injured in the second set. And Demonor has been more consistent this year. So I think he's going to win.
0: Yeah, and then I have Andy Murray versus Andre Rublev. Just definitely an interesting match because we just saw Murray play that tough three-setter versus Haas. And, I mean, like, he's still on the comeback. So definitely going... I think he's picking up his level as we go. And then we have Andre Rublev, who 2020, he's probably the only person who had a good 2020. <laughs> so. Yeah. So I'm giving it to Rublev in three sets because I think Murray can still put up a fight. But, I mean, Rublev is that young kind of...
1: There's no. a But you you know. You guys know. Rublev's just on fire. Yeah. Exactly
0: so there are two other tournaments going on right now leon and buenos aires and we're not going to go too into depth with them but we'll highlight some notable results just to keep you in the loop so in leon we have which is a wta 250 event we have danish teenager clara Towson coming through qualifying and defeating alexandrova the top seed in the first round and she's now into the second round so we heard of her before i don't remember which tournament exactly but yeah, I she, think it was the U.S. Open, actually. No, it was she upset
1: no. um, Jennifer Brady at the French Open um, oh. in the first round? So that's kind of that's kind of where her, how her name started coming in the loop. She's a teenager. Oh, we said she's a teenager, um, <laughs> but uh, she, yeah, I mean that's a pretty that's a pretty good win, Alexandrova, uh, who's been playing pretty well the past few weeks. Um, in other news, Kiki Mladenovic in Lyon, uh, she played a 2-hour and 54-minute match versus Buzernescu. She ended up winning, but wow, that is a long match. And her former doubles partner and fellow friend from Caroline Garcia also had a tough 3-set three three set win versus another French woman, Dodan And Garcia is also now into the second round.
0: And then we have the Buenos Aires event, the ATP 250. Oh, the way you where... said
1: that was so good. Damn, I, that, that was a really nice pronunciation.
0: Sorry. <laughs> say it, say it my, again. My uncle. <laughs>
1: Buenos Aires. Oh, my gosh. That's so good. <laughs> I'm jealous. I envy you. Your pronunciation of Medvedev and, and, and Buenos Aires is, wow, I'm jealous.
0: My, my uncle's Argentinian.
1: Oh, yeah. I feel like we've <laughs> talked about this. on the. I, th- I feel like we've mentioned this before.
0: But yeah. Hey, it, um, it adds
1: it adds to the integrity of our podcast.
0: So hey Uncle Nestor if you're listening. <laughs> so Francis Tiafo got a quick straight sets win in his first round match, so he is looking strong in this tournament. Good for him.
1: Yeah, and then Sumit Nagal qualified for this event and got his first ATP tour level win in the first round over Joao Sousa. So good stuff for him.
0: And then we have the goat himself, <laughs> Juan Maserendolo, who unfortunately lost in the first round. But you know what? It's okay. There's We're not there's yeah the bye here. His it's brother okay. won though. His brother is playing. Yeah. Older brother, right? I th- <laughs> no, th- yeah, <laughs> no.
1: I think it, it's older. Um,
0: I did, well, that's cool that they're both on tour.
1: Yeah.
0: Maybe they can play doubles. That would be cool.
1: Okay. Yeah, that would be cool. I again. I'm only just hearing of this guy, so like I'm still like new to all this. But I, I like I became a fan immediately, and
0: I can't even remember
1: why. Oh yeah, no, I I would definitely consider myself a Juanma fan if the if the Juanma fam would be uh, would accept me to join their <laughs> join their um fan Good one. fandom. Um, all right, so that's pretty much it for Doha and Rotterdam. We'll keep you guys posted on like further developments in the tournament but we're just happy to be back recording another episode that was really fun um and yeah we hope you we hope you guys enjoy that little uh summary of what's been going on and what's to come
0: hasta luego <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and that is game set and match for today If you like this episode,
0: please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the tournaments going on right now, especially Rotterdam and Doha, and of course, all the T-On Tour.
1: Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating of whatever platform you're listening on.
0: Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.
1: Follow us on social media at holdontoyourracket on Instagram and at hotyr underscore tennispod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released on Saturday, where we will recap and preview some of the later rounds of the tournaments in Doha and Rotterdam.
0: And remember, my name is Josefina.
1: And my name is Shravya.
0: That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravia's name is Harry. See you next time.